0: This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to twoheadednerd.com and click donate, or visit patreon.com backslash twoheadednerd to become a supporter today. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 492 of
1: the two-edit nerd comic book podcast. My name is Matt Bob. You sound like the Micromachine Guy. Fuck yeah, I do. And I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. Though we are cursed to share a body by the very ziggurat we discovered in the caverns under Omaha, while we wait for a new guardian to take our place, we spend our time reviewing comics and editorializing about the week's nerdy news on the Internet so our parents and peers can be certain that we never, in fact, grew up. Is the machine guy dead? No. He's not dead. No. Well, good.
0: I'm not wishing death on him. On this week's episode, Joe and I dig into Tanisi Coates' liberal, racist, anti-white take on Captain America, (laughs) and then the marriage of Batman and Catwoman in Batman 50. After that, we'll review eight more of this Wednesday's comics at an irresponsible pace during the Ludicrous Speed Round, then... We're going to pay a visit to the Teach and Sanctum Sanctorum, where we're still nursing our burns from our 4th of July celebration and making our must read picks for next week. And finally, it's time for the return of Take a Look It's in a Book, where this time we're reviewing the McElroy Boys DD Adventures in the pages of the Adventure Zone. Here, there be Gurblins. But before we start inviting any more QAnon rage on
1: this show, we better talk about this week's. Nerd News! Nerd News! Hey, good news, Matt. We've got some big revelations about the DC Universe app, finally. I heard about this. It's about time they started talking about it. It comes out in like a month, right? <laughs> well, had the beta starts in August, yeah. Uh, DC Entertainment has released details of its upcoming DC Universe proprietary streaming service, including outlining the service's launch series and how comic books will factor in Listeners of the show will know that that is the most important part to me. DC Universe will launch with the live-action Titans series later this year, and then it will be followed by Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing, The Return of Young Justice, and the Harley Quinn animated series in 2019. Young Justice was previously scheduled to come back this year. It got pushed, which is a bummer. DC Universe will also include, quote... A curated selection of thousands of comic books, end quote. That sounds ominous. Yes. Including titles related to the service's streaming shows, which will rotate in selection. Eh. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> I mean, like, okay, the dream is it's all there, and we're not going to get that.
1: Right. I mean, I mean, even the Marvel app doesn't have everything, right? That's what I was going like, to say. The Marvel
0: but, app is basically a curated app as well. So.
1: But they're always adding things. And yes. like there's weird stuff on there that you can't find anywhere else. And there's... It, it also stays there, right? Marvel
0: stuff doesn't disappear. It not that I'm there. aware
1: of, right. And okay. it also isn't like... It's, it's not just stuff related to the new Cloak & Dagger show or right. the Spider-Man cartoon on Disney XD or whatever. Although they do that as well. Right, but not just that, is my point. Like, no. This, to me, sounds like DC wants to spoon-feed you the things they want you to read to promote the shit that they've got on the app.
0: Doesn't that sound perfectly DC, though? Isn't that what their entertainment division does?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess. You know what I mean? Thousands of comic books, that's a lot. Yeah. But... I don't know. All,
0: yeah, if it's all Teen Titans, I barely care, you
1: know? Well, so the examples that they showed, they, they've got a lot of new 52 stuff, a lot of Rebirth stuff, a lot of the stuff that they want to pimp. But they also had, like, the classic Marv Wolfman, George Perez, new Teen Titans. And that's neat. But that's not a surprise, because they're tying it into the Titans show. Right.
0: No, that, that's my point. I mean, just put comics up. That's right. what we want. That's At the end of the day, put comics up. We're going to pay for this to to read whatever the hell we want. And in not doing so, you encourage piracy, especially for stuff that's out of print. You're just encouraging piracy. That's
1: it. Here's a little bit of a, a quote from Dan DiDio. Uh, he says, this hand curated selection from our decades of comic creations gives fans a thematic digital long box to carry with them on the device of their choosing or lets them watch exclusive video content on a big screen followed by the comic that inspired it so like that part of it is cool the idea that like you can watch oh i don't know uh justice league or or uh batman the animated series and when you're done with the episode it'll have a little pop-up that says read this comic yeah, I mean that's neat, but again, it's also kind
0: of spoon feeding,
1: I guess. Well, I mean, for newer fans, you know, I, I sure for non comic fans that are interested in the in the video content, I, I like that idea. But the idea that it's all thematic, right? I don't want yeah. it to be thematic. You can do thematic like promotions, sure. But like, I want to log into the DC Universe app and be able to read Justice League International from 1987.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Right? I want to or like let's get weird i want like the full blue devil run you know sure I mean, or
1: like the black hawk series from the 40s totally. you know like something anything i want to read dc's vast catalog
0: well this is our chance to put stuff up that is not in print that is specifically so you have to go to the app to find that shit if you want to read it right and my fear or is that it's gonna back issue bins you know one of the two
1: And my fear is that it's going to eliminate the stuff that they're trying to sell in collected form, right? Like, oh, we don't want to put Young Heroes in Love on the app because we got a sexy new omnibus coming out. Right. You know? Um, We'll see. We're we're speculating here. Right. This is, I'm
0: going to say, 60% of what I wanted to hear.
1: Right. And enough to get me to try it. I signed up for the beta. uh, Okay. To be considered for the beta. I don't know. It's not a guarantee that I'll get in, but- hopefully i do i'm an alpha male
0: so i don't wait for that shit you know
1: yeah sure fair enough i hear you i Uh, I ain't
0: doing no beta male bullshit
1: and you know hopefully this is just their starting strategy right and it doesn't it doesn't mean that they won't add more to their library down the line it's just it's kind of a a bummer right off the bat
0: and end of the day if they're not competing with the marvel app they are idiots
1: i know it, like, it would be a real shame if they didn't eventually it, it go makes, down that road.
0: It just makes no sense not to. So maybe they are, and this is just a tease we're getting. We will have to wait and see. From the bad idea Spider-Man desk. <laughs> boy. Remember when they cancelled the Black Cat and Silver Sable movie, Joe?
1: Yeah, did they cancel it, or did they just say, like, we're shelved. taking a it's, break?
0: It's shelved. It's gone. <laughs> okay. They did so to make room for Jared Leto in the role of Morbius, because if ever there was a perfect standalone character that we don't need Spider-Man in the Marvel Universe for, it's Morbius, the Living Vampire. Jared Leto has been cast for a self-titled solo spin-off film from Sony, according to Variety. Director Daniel Espinoza is reportedly in talks to helm the film following a purported meeting with Leto that solidified the project for both parties. In comics, as you probably know, Morbius living vampires, Michael Morbius, a scientist and Spider-Man villain who needs to absorb plasma to live. He's kind of a weird sort of kind of vampire.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's un- not he's not undead, but he's got to drink blood and stuff. At this point, it is
0: unclear whether Morbius would tie into Sony's other in-development Spider-Man film spinoffs. Let me go ahead and clear that up for you. It won't, because it can't. (laughs) And what they're trying to do... Maybe it takes place in the Venom-verse. They are desperately trying to lawyer their way around this, probably, at the moment. And I don't know if this is just taking a chance, because they think, like, yeah, Venom looks great. It looks so dark and spooky and great. We can do the same thing with Morbius, the living vampire. This is the... Dumbest idea. Not only do I not want a standalone Morbius movie, I don't need a Morbius movie that takes place in the Spider-Man world. You know what I mean?
1: Don't need it. Well, yeah, I mean... No reason. Other other than... Other than first appearing in Spider-Man, Morbius really has nothing to do with Spider-Man.
0: And I agree with that, but do you care about a Morbius movie
1: at all? I would not be mad uh, to see a Morbius movie. I think he's a cool character. I don't need it. If you want to put Morbius in a Blade movie
0: or something where he belongs as a side character, that's fine. But there is... No beloved Morbius run that I need to see adapted. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: There's not like a deep, rich vein of Morbius canon that you want to see on the no. big screen? No, no. It's just, it doesn't exist. This is such a dumb idea. And
0: again, I'm going to call my shot here and I'm willing to nerd bet on this one. It gets shelved. Nerd bet. We'd never see the Morbius movie. I'm willing to call my shot. Are you afraid? No, I'll, I'll take that
1: bet. Okay. Nerd bet. Morbius never makes it to the movie theater. Like, I I have no qualms about them making a movie about a C-list character. Like, Marvel Studios did it with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Sure. A and team. Imagine if they
0: only did it with
1: Star-Lord. Sure. I mean, I get it, Matt. But, like, I'm not mad about comic book adaptations of obscure characters if I think that they can do it well. What I am not interested in is anything uh, portrayed by Jared Leto. <laughs>
0: I love Jared Leto. Jared Leto is a fantastic actor. He's I done so
1: well in all the comic book movies he's been in.
0: But what I'm saying is I don't need him in comic book roles at yeah. all. Yeah. I mean, the, the man is an incredible actor, and he's been great in a bunch of films. I hated him as the Joker, and I'm not going to like him as Morbius, and I don't need a standalone Morbius movie. It's just dumb. If you want to tell me there's vampires in the Marvel Universe, Morbius is part of that story,
1: I'm into that. I'm perfectly fine with him showing up. It I seems- don't need him by himself it seems so strange to me that sony has the rights to morbius just because he first appeared in spider-man well they seem to have probably
0: bought a package i'm guessing of super cheap c to d list characters that came along with spider-man rights probably where it's like they optioned spider-man right yeah. And in that option, it also gave them, if you pay a little more, you get the Sandman, and you get Silver Sable, and you get the Black Cat, and you get well, Morbius, the
1: living vampire. I you mean, know. Black Cat, Venom, Silver Sable, I get it. These are like long-term Spider-Man supporting characters. But sure. Morbius, he appeared in Spider-Man, what, like two or three times? Maybe. I don't know. Film rights are weird, man. It's weird, and this is stupid and a bad idea. Speaking of films, though we've got some good news about a friend of ours. Rebel Wilson has optioned the upcoming, uh, our friend Rebel <laughs> Wilson. <laughs> no, no. Uh, she has optioned the upcoming image Comics series crowded. Uh, this news comes from the Hollywood reporter. The pitch perfect star will develop the project under her own, uh, little company. It's called camp sugar. How adorable, uh, with an intent to produce and star in the film, uh and though the comic is published by Image for some reason Oni Press's film division is producing the film. I don't get it. Okay. Here's the good news. Crowded was created by friend of the show Christopher Sabella. Yeah, dude's uh, getting paid. And his collaborators Ro Stein and Ted Brandt. Uh the comic series comes out August 15th from Image Comics. Here's the synopsis. 10 minutes in the future. The world runs on an economy of job shares and apps including Reaper, a crowdfunding platform to fund assassinations. (laughs) Charlie Ellison leads a quiet, normal life until she's suddenly targeted by a million dollar Reaper campaign. Hunted by all of Los Angeles, Charlie hires Evita, the lowest rated bodyguard on the Defend app. (laughs) As the campaign picks up speed, they'll have to figure out who wants Charlie dead before the campaign's 30 days or their lives are over.
0: Well, this is some social commentary here.
1: Hell yeah, it is. Uh, such great news for Christopher Sabella. I'm so yeah. happy for that, dude. Yeah, I'm glad he's getting paid. He deserves it. Um, Heartthrob also got optioned. I don't. I heard that. Uh, so he's hitting his stride, man. That dude deserves it. He's a hard worker. He puts out a lot of great stuff. Absolutely. I'm just curious how this got optioned without the
0: comic book being out. He had to have been active talks with somebody.
1: Oh, well, he always sends out like a lot of like... He sends out pitch ideas and preview copies right. to you know to editors and friends and I'm sure some like of those Rebel Wilson of all people <laughs> came across, across her this. desk it I don't like, know Fuck man. yeah <laughs> uh, but I think that the concept sounds awesome Yeah and I'm just tickled pink for his success I think it's wonderful That's disgusting so there's your nerd
0: news and analysis for this week. Be sure to head over to the THN forums. Let us know what you think about these stories and Christopher Sabella getting paid and uh, how terrifying that could be. You
1: can find them by heading. He's gonna to the spend two- it all on pot and uh, clown motels. Yeah,
0: I'm sure. You can find them by heading to the 2 nerd.com and clicking
1: on the forums button. <laughs> It's review time in the ziggurat where Matt and I reveal our liberal bias and beta male crybaby bullshit by crying about two of this week's comics. Matt, what are you apologizing for this week? This
0: week, I am reviewing Batman 50 from DC. It's written by Tom King with art by, for the most part, Michael Janin, but a whole bunch of other peeps, too. 48 pages for $4.99. Here is your solicit. It's the wedding you never thought you'd see. The batrimony is real. God, I hate that. As, as Bruce Wayne and Selina Kyle are set to tie the knot in a can't-miss, extra-length milestone issue that will reshape Gotham City. All their friends, and a few enemies, will be party to a comic book coupling for the ages. Superstar scribe Tom King officiates the sure-to-be-offbeat nuptials. I, what is that about? Joined by an all-star lineup of guest classic bad artists doffing their hats. Is that a word? Doffing?
1: Yeah, you doff your, when you doff your cap, right. like you tip your cap. Doffing
0: their hats to the lucky couple in a series of pre-wedding flashback scenes sure to set the romantic mood. So.
1: This solicit is very that bad.
0: That was terrible. That was one of the worst I've read in a while. So the New York Times spoiled your Batman wedding comic. Get over it. Newspapers and the internet have been spoiling shit since Columbus discovered America on the 4th of July in 1776. And let's be um, honest here. How many of you really read the New York Times? How many of you had Rover fetched the paper, sat down in your breakfast nook with your grape nuts and coffee and exclaimed, great Caesar's ghosts! Those leftist libtard liars at the failing New York Times just ruined my Batman comic. I only read (laughs) it for the articles. (laughs) Like I saw that they spoiled it. Fine. This shit happens. You know what I didn't do? I didn't read the article that
1: spoiled it. It was that simple. They spoiled it in the headline, yeah. so even if you were just skimming Twitter or something and you saw the see, headline... See, but that's
0: just it. I even follow New York Times on Twitter, didn't see it. They did not spoil it for me. What, what, I'm not saying... it's Bully for you.
1: Lots of people did not have that experience. I'm not saying it's
0: good, and I'm not saying DC had any good reason to do it either. They came out and they're like, here's five reasons why we spoiled it. Fuck you, DC. Lame. But get over it. It's out there, and more importantly, I'm not going to go into... Why? But I was right, and Joe Patrick was wrong. A nerd bet winner is me. Rick, uh, we're gonna we're gonna put a pin <laughs> in this one. Finally, the wedding of the bat and the cat is here, sorta, kinda. What we end up getting is a series of conversations between Batman and Alfred. Pardon me, Bruce and Alfred, and Selina and Holly, who she conveniently busts out of Arkham Asylum just for their wedding day. You know, you got to have a maid of honor, right? interspersed with the conversations are many 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 beautiful splash pages by several different artists you've got Andy Cooper working here you've got Paul Pope doing something here you have Frank Miller drawing with his feet again you've got all the greats Arthur Adams has an amazing spread and it really did give the issue heft and it made it feel cool and it made it feel like a very important 50th issue with that said there is a twist in the end here. And I have, of course, there's, of course twist. there was, we knew, I mean, this wasn't going to go off that a hitch. Nobody thought that, but for the most part, I found it a little anticlimactic. It didn't hit me the way they were building it up to hit me. And as much as I like what they do on the final page here, which is a really, truly good final Batman page. I found this to be pretty anticlimactic to the story that they were building to for six...
1: 25 yeah, issues. Yeah, I mean,
0: more than a year now, right? Yeah. This was solid. Yep. It was very well written. It was had art by some of the best living Batman artists out there. Even the Neil Adams spread looked great. Loved it.
1: Uh, that, Tony Daniel, uh, that Tony Daniel one where uh, they're on the, mor- the motorcycle... Yeah. I thought it was one of the best pieces of Batman art I've seen from Tony Daniel in a really long time. It really was time. gorgeous.
0: The David Finch one, garbage. But I'm not here to trash anybody. Oh, yeah. I have to give this issue. <laughs> You've trashed at least three people. <laughs> <laughs> I have to give this issue a skimmit. Because grand scheme of things, as far as a buildup and an ending to this huge story that Tom King was setting out for us, this did not finish well for me. It's not a bad issue. By all means, it isn't. It's got a lot of cool pictures, like I said, for, for $4.99. You're gonna feel like you got your money's worth, and it was an interesting read. But as the ending to this bat and cat love story, wedding, whatever, I can only give this a skim it.
1: Okay, so uh, I've been, I read some things online, uh, and Tom King was not happy about the New York Times thing because he's been working so hard on this story. Oh, I'm right? sure. Um, and retailers are pissed because DC has convinced them to go all in on, like, th- something stupid, like t- 25 different variant covers. Oh, it's of course. It's probably more of than that. Um,
0: but again, that's the game. It's always been like this.
1: No, it hasn't always been like this, and it doesn't have to be this It doesn't
0: way. have to, I agree.
1: He said that this story is just getting started, so I think to call it the end uh, might be... Premature, and that's fine, but um, that's
0: also that's that's not my problem. You know what I mean? As a reader, that's not my problem. You told me I mean, you build it up. You guys all got in line and said, "Here it is. It's all happening. Boom, boom,
1: boom." But Here, but nobody said it's the end of the no story. No one said it's the end of the 50. You said as an ending, it's not good. Yes,
0: what I'm saying is leading up to but this, but it's not the it, end to this fiftieth issue. Calling it what it is, I had the same feeling that I had with Batman. Rip. You know what I mean? Where I walked out of Batman RIP going, well... I guess that's not what we thought was going to happen. And thumbs down.
1: <laughs> but again, with Batman, RIP, nobody ever said that Batman was going to die. At I agree. End. But you called it. These are things that we projected onto the I story. I get it,
0: But if you had a book called Batman kills someone with a chainsaw and then Batman never killed someone with a chainsaw, would you say, why did they call that that? I'm curious. <laughs> well, first of or all, perhaps Batman gets eaten by a whale and then
1: he, the whole adventure is in the <laughs> desert, you know, <laughs> Yes, uh, with those examples, I'll grant you that's a, a little bit more overt. But so Tom King is obviously building a very long form story, right. and the last page uh, really sets up the next uh, the next chapter of this of this tale. His story's not done, and I
0: am excited for it. I definitely am.
1: And and with that in mind, you know I enjoyed it. Uh, of course, you can like. We're, we're bending over backwards not to spoil anything, but if you've got half a brain, you know that there's a twist. You know that things don't right. happen the way that the marketing uh, promised that they yeah, would. the
0: Joker splits Batman in half, and we're all like, what? And then the Joker <laughs> right. marries Catwoman because he says, I do, and there's nothing she can do oh. about it.
1: Spoiled. Uh, the, Joker marries, <laughs> the Joker marries Batman's upper half. <laughs> He's like, I don't need the lower half. <laughs> Um. So yeah, I mean, I really liked it, but I am giving it a skim it as well because, given the fact that you could go online to any number of websites and find out exactly what happened, it kind of takes the wind wind out of the sails. This is not a bad comic book; it's a good comic book. I enjoy. That's where I'm at
0: too, and I and I think the skim it that we're both giving it is probably more due to DC marketing than to the actual story.
1: Right. Like if you're a collector of Batman, by all means, buy sure. this issue of Batman, it's a good issue of Batman. But like, if you are somebody coming into Batman 50 curious because of the huge marketing push, this is
0: not going to make pump you happy. the brakes yeah.
1: pump the brakes. You,
0: you just listen to that bad solicit that I read. It says it right there. It paints everything out and then they lie. They that's illicit is a lie. I'm not going to spoil as to why it is, but it's a lie in several <laughs> different ways.
1: Um, it does deliver on a series of pre-wedding flashbacks. I'll scenes. give it that. So, yeah. But you
0: know. like a bunch of friends around? No, nothing like that happens. Nope. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. So here's a spoiler. Uh, here's a, a mild spoiler. We had this series of one shots leading up to this issue right. where it's like, everyone's getting ready for the yeah. wedding. And there was the issue where Nightwing and Bruce have a heart to heart and he tells Nightwing that... Superman is his best man yeah. instead of Nightwing and it's like, oh, that's a bummer.
0: Literally none of that shit happens.
1: None of them show yeah. up. There's nobody There's there.
0: Zero. None of them are there. He had the whole thing, that great issue with uh with uh Damien and, and Dick like coming together and stuff and like in the uh, it was such a great one shot and they're all finally coming to grips with what's going to happen. And they don't they're not even around. They're not even fucking around.
1: Yeah. They decide to fucking elope, I yes, guess. Or
0: something. And maybe I'm right. still not totally clear on that.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, the marketing overtook the story. And that's a yes. shame because I think Tom King is doing very good. And work. it's not
0: Tom King's fault. This is a very complicated skimmet. I understand that. But this is a very complicated situation we're in here.
1: Yeah, I think we can leave it at that. I think we can just leave it at that, because the more we talk about it, the more we're going to dissect yeah. it, and the more we're going to get into Joe spoilers. Joe Patrick,
0: let's get to something a little more straight ahead beat him beat-em-up-and-goddamn-American, shall we?
1: Hey, it's the 4th of July, so my pick had to be Captain America, number one. Here we go again. From Marvel Comics, written by Ta-Nehisi Coates, with art by Linnell Francis U. Auto corrected that to Y O U. Thank you very much, Lanel oh, no. Francis. By... You <laughs> <laughs> inks by Jerry Alanguin. Color art by Sunny Go. Letters by Virtual Calligraphies. Joe Caramagna. It was forty pages for four ninety nine. Here's your solicit. Eight
0: less pages than your Batman wedding. Same
1: price. True. Same price. But also way fewer pinups. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, it is winter in America! For over 70 years, he has stood in stalwart defense of our country and its people, but in the aftermath of Hydra's takeover of the nation, Captain America is a figure of controversy. Carrying a tarnished shield, and a new enemy is rising. Who are the power elite? And how do they intend to co-opt and corrupt the symbol that is Captain America? Quick shout-out to Black Scorpion number three, who pointed out that the, uh, the heading for this solicit is a direct shout-out to uh, Winter in America by Gil Scott Heron. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, which I is I didn't put that together. Apt. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Coates, man. That guy. Yep.
1: Ta-Nehisi Coates takes the reins from departing writer Mark Wade and relaunches the star-spangled Avenger in a new direction. After a terrorist attack by flag-clad militants, Cap gets sidelined by the government in favor of help from Sharon Carter and Bucky Barnes. And he does not take it lightly. Meanwhile, an obscure ex villain returns with a plan to wipe out Hydra and rise to power in Russia.
0: Side note: Is she Russian?
1: I don't think she's Russian. Okay. I thought, I, wasn't she like all about being in the Savage or like Land and Transylvanian
0: stuff? or some shit. I don't know.
1: Fuck dude. I don't know anything about yeah, I don't think I'm gonna
0: do either. I'm going to look her up. You keep going. <laughs>
1: Coates' story addresses the fallout of Nick Spencer's Hydra Cap in a much more direct way than Wade did. There are those that fear Captain America, even as he saves them. Even Cap himself feels doubt about his role in a world that is constantly on fire. The allegories here are frighteningly relevant to the current political climate in America and around the world, including... The appearance of classic villains in surprising, uh, hmm, I won't exactly call them non-villainous roles, but uh, much more legitimized. Captain America has been left rattled by recent events and the state of the world. And Coates embraces that instead of giving us a God bless America cheerleader. But Coates peppers plenty of action into this issue as well brought to life by the phenomenal art team of Yu, Glen and Go. There's an exciting sequence at the uh, beginning where Yu's Captain America charges headlong into action with strength and skill. He dives into a hail of gunfire. He throws his shield with surgical precision. It's very cool. It's very cinematic. And it's exactly what you want to see Captain America do. The dude doesn't hesitate. He dives in front of the innocent to protect them and he flings that shield around like he's been doing it his whole life because he has. The action is just as visually stunning as the dramatic scenes are compelling. There's a great scene with Steve and Sharon Carter later on when they're at dinner and he's like trying to pump her for information about this mission because he doesn't like being put on the sidelines and Sharon's like, hey, back off, man. I got a job to do. You've got a job to do. You know how it goes. Sharon's a career woman. I love it. Yeah. And like, how dare you use our relationship in this way? You know, it's a really good scene. The inking on Cap in some of the scenes can be a little dark. He's often cast in shadow, especially on his face. Uh, But to me, it seemed to kind of suit the character's current frame of mind. Yeah, that's
0: definitely what they're going for. They're trying to show us like Cap is still Cap. He's still red, white, and blue. He's still the Boy Scout, but there's this dark shadow over him right now, and you know, in the right, public. like
1: he's still dedicated to the dream. But what is the dream? Right. Or now? can
0: we even trust the dream anymore? Period.
1: Yeah, like, like the the ending, but it's being narrated. Uh, there's there are captions over it from Captain America, and he's talking about we've bought into the we've bought into this. We asked for right. this. You know, the American people like we let them in and it's like it hits home so hard because that is exactly what's going on right now in the real world. And like I put the comic down, I put my iPad down and I was just like, Jesus H. Christ, like (laughs) that was powerful. Did Captain America need yet another new number one, especially given that the original numbering was just restored? No. But Coates and his collaborators are taking the character in a fresh new direction, and it doesn't shy away from past events or real-world current events. This was a great first issue, and I think that this is going to be yet another great, memorable run on Captain America. I'm giving it a huge bite.
0: I'm with you here. I was a little worried about you, not because he's not a great artist. He's a very good artist. I just don't think of him as a Captain America artist, but I think he's working very well here to give it this edgy look. He still very much had, like, the spirit of Cap. There's a great scene where Cap and Bucky are saving people in the aftermath of this terrorist attack. And the fire department's there. And Cap's holding the kid. Uh, his big stupid boots are back. I love that. I love the Cap boots. <laughs> I'm
1: so glad I'm so glad that they ditched that ultimate yeah. militant bullshit costume. That's fine costume. for the movie.
0: I, I want that in the movie because he would look like a clown. But in the
1: comics, yeah, just make him look like Cap,
0: baby. You know?
1: Yeah, and he's got like the thick, like the the super thick chainmail yeah. is not my favorite, like the John Cassidy style right. that he like he kind of originated that, but it looks good. Yeah, it looks good. It, it, it's a million times better than the stupid helmet with the strap and the pouches totally. and crap. Yeah,
0: this looks like old school cap, and
1: it's exactly what Coates I want. Coates
0: is an intelligent enough writer that he can take real-world allegory and put it in the comic without beating you over the head with it, without smashing you with his liberal ideals, as some people say. I did not see that here at all. I saw a really good real-world take on the battle for the heart of America and who decides where the heart of America even is right now. It is very complicated to just be a patriot, and I think that's fair to say for everyone right now. We don't know what our patriotism is. We're very split and hopefully Cap is going to bring us all back together. And I trust Coates to do that. This was an excellent first issue. I cannot wait for more of this. That's a double skim it for Batman 50 and a double buy it for Captain America number one. We're going to post our written reviews over at TwoHeadedNerd.com so you can take snippets of them and misrepresent us on the internet all over the place. But more importantly, you can tell us what you thought of these comics and just how wrong we got it. Head over to the THN forums. It is a great place to do that.
1: The summer is already half over and Matt spent the last of our petty cash on his Guardian fireworks. But that doesn't mean we're not seeing Ant-Man and the Wasp this weekend, no sir. Thanks to the plans i downloaded from Reddit to build our own debigulator, Matt and I will be smuggled into the theater hiding in Woolly Toots' lush head of hair. Matt, let's do a quick test run on the debigulator and review eight more comics that hit the stands today during the ludicrous Speed Round! Ludicrous Speed, go! Astonishing X-Men, number 13, from Marvel. The Reavers are back, and they have a new weapon that only Havoc knows about. The problem is, the rest of the X-Men think Havoc is a total shithead. To be
0: fair, he has been a total shithead.
1: <laughs> uh, I yes, don't like uh, what they've the, done
0: to Havoc at all. They've turned him into a shithead. He,
1: he got inverted, if you recall, and was a villain for that's a while. Still, that's, he, ugh,
0: I forgot that was even he's a He's feeling
1: much th- better I now. that was even a thing. Yep, because yep, it was forgettable. Uh, but he's feeling much better now. I really enjoyed this new direction from writer Matthew Rosenberg. Though the new team is far from formed, I like where it's headed and Rosenberg's take on Havoc's path toward redemption. Even Greg Land's art seems a lot less photo traced than usual, though there are a few moments. No, I
0: will give you Land has improved a lot. He's gotten a lot better.
1: And the dude just loves his butts. He does love the butts. Maybe I was just in a good mood this week, but I'm giving Astonishing X-Men number 13 a buy it. Unnatural, number one from Image, Who yeah. boy.
0: Here we have the story of a buxom pig girl in an anthropomorphic world where the government fiercely decries interspecies relationships, but all she wants to do is get nasty with the dog man of her dreams. The story is trying to make some allegorical reaches to modern sexism and gay rights, but the message gets lost in the softcore pig porn here. Writer, artist, Mirka and Dolfo's art is very good. Okay, she's so super talented, and not just if you dig cheesecake. But a natural seems like a story that needs to stick to the message, or stick to the bouncing pig boobs. I have to give this a leave it, because it was too goddamn weird. Yeah, man, it just—it was (laughs) porn. It was softcore porn. It was bizarre. And it's one thing to say like, oh, okay, she's a woman in charge of her body, and she's whatever. Her friend comes in and touches her genitals in the bathtub. That is not acceptable. (laughs) what is going on? I don't even know. It was like an Emanuela script. Cosmic Ghost Rider, number one from Marvel.
1: Frank Castle was the Punisher. A deal with the devil made him Ghost Rider. A deal with Galactus made him cosmic. A deal with Thanos made him Dead? Cosmic Ghost Rider is a wild ride. Like, I can't describe it without spoiling things. It's so bonkers. And it's definitely not what you expect. Don't worry if you haven't been reading the Thanos series. Everything you need to enjoy this insane roller coaster of a story is right here in this issue. Newcomer Dylan Burnett delivers some fantastic art that reminded me a lot of Invincible's Ryan Otley. Writer Downey Cates is on my shit list after the crap he pulled with Death of the Inhumans this week. But Cosmic Ghost Rider number one was an insane story from start to finish in the best way. I'm giving it a bite. Okay,
0: remind me, I want to talk about that when we're done, because I don't know what you're talking about.
1: Catwoman number one from D.C. Joelle
0: Jones takes over as a double threat writing and drawing the new Catwoman series. The wedding came and went. I guests, and now Selena finds herself targeted by the mob and an army of copycat catwomen that are shooting cops! Plus, a new really scary and gross villain that might be an homage to Sharon Stone's character from the infamous 2004 Catwoman movie shows up, Jones has a firm take on Selena, and her art, while amazing, gets a little too busy in some panels, but I,
1: think yeah, I, I agree. but I think
0: she's still feeling it out, and I think she's going to be great. This is her first issue of Catwoman, so I'm giving her some leeway, and I'm giving this a buy-it.
1: I liked it, too. I'm giving it a buy-it. I do not love the costume redesign.
0: Yeah, the armpit holes. The, the armpit cutouts. What, what is that doing? You're like, other I than know. I want to stink, you know?
1: Man of Steel, number six from D.C., Brian Michael Bendis sticks the landing on his first Superman arc, delivering a lot of great character moments and setting up some interesting things for the future. I was worried about what he was going to do to Lois and John at first, but now I'm very excited to see what happens with them. Jason Fabok draws the entire issue this time instead of just a couple pages, and he's another artist that's perfectly suited to draw Superman. Man of Steel has been a great introduction to Bendis' take on the character... I can't wait to see what he has in store. It's a okay, fight.
0: Remember uh, last year when Jason Fabak was going through his crisis of faith on Twitter? when mm, He was like, I just don't know, man. I just don't know what my future is and where I'm going and so on and so forth. It's because he was getting ready to draw this Superman stuff. Bendis was already talking to him about it. And he did not think he was a Superman artist. And he did not think he should be drawing Superman. Oh, no
1: yeah. way, dude. It's, it's awesome. like You are so wrong. You're amazing. <laughs> Low Life's number one from IDW. Artist Brian
0: Buccioletto turns writer and with his new creator-owned series about a cop seeking revenge for his wife's rape. Alexis Sentak is really good on art here, with a very via real-world, crime-drama-noir feel to her panels and coloring. Buccioletto plays with time Tarantino-style with the story, but the dialogue just isn't great, and it comes off as nasty to the point of ridiculous at times. The story is good, but it doesn't leave the reader with much sympathy for the main character. Not a bad first effort for this team, but Little Life needs some work in the dialogue department. I'm giving it a skimmin'.
1: Buccioletto is a writer that I think has a lot of good ideas, but he's not the strongest
0: Yeah, here. like he's trying to humanize the, the cop's partner, his female partner, and she's like, oh, I'm swiping right on that guy. Gonna strap on a dildo and fuck the shit out of him later. Like... What is that moment for? Like, I okay, but, you know, was that a joke? I can't even tell. Quantum Age from the world of Black Hammer, number one from Dark Horse.
1: A thousand years in the future, a collection of superheroes inspired by the legendary heroes of the Black Hammer farm must band together to save the planet from an authoritarian regime. Jeff Lemire expands the Black Hammer universe once again, this time with an homage to a darker period of the legion of superheroes i can't get enough of the world building lamir is doing here and wilfredo torres is an excellent addition to the roster of black hammer artists huge buy when black
0: it. hammer is done it is going to be one of the best superhero stories ever written i'm calling my shot right now
1: i, I think it already is elvira mistress of the dark number one from dynamite amply bosom Elvira.
0: The amply bosomed Elvira returns to comics with a script so full of puns, it made my bosom shrink a whole cup size. If you're an old school Elvira fan that wants to read about Elvira accidentally traveling time and meeting the real Dr. Frankenstein, then this is an unfunny comic book just for you. Me? Okay, it sounds like I'm just trashing this to trash it. And I don't like trashing someone's efforts on a comic book, but this was so fucking lazy. Just lazy storytelling. Bad jokes, what do we do with this character? I don't know, let's have them time travel because that seems to be what happens in every Dynamite licensed property written. They're all time-traveling for no goddamn reason whatsoever, okay?
1: But isn't, like, the cheesy puns and stuff, isn't that Elvira? It
0: is. But I'm saying I think its time has come and gone. It doesn't work in the comics. It is not funny. There is no reason why you couldn't update that a little bit. They chose not to. They took the easy way out and wrote a bad comic with mediocre art, giving us a wee bit. Abba! That is your ludicrous speed round in Abba! It's a sound made by New Guy Bill after being healed from wrath hornet stings in the pages of The Arcane Cocktail Enthusiast. This Onomatopoeia of the week was submitted by JD. Gotta catch them all on the THN Facebook fan page. JD's review of the Arcane Cocktail Enthusiast is coming soon to Two-Headed Nerd. He's a talented guy. He works for nothing, and we should all be thankful to have him around. If you want to submit an Onomatopoeia of the week, and you should because you'd be cool, just like JD Ketch, you can do so by throwing it at us on any of our social medias, emailing us at nerd at gmail.com. Hell, you can even call... Oh, sure. Make the noise. Tell me where it's from, and I will plug it in the damn show.
1: Huh? Here are some notes, though, about the onomatopoeia of the week. If you're going to submit one, you can't just give me the sound effect. You have to tell me what it's from and what is the context. That's how it works. What's going on.
0: What it's from, who Um, did it, context it's happening in.
1: If all of those options weren't enough, I have also created a place on the THN forums where you can go and submit.
0: Hey, look at that.
1: Long overdue, no-brainer. It was uh, mm. ha, it was suggested by a new listener on the forums this week. It's like, oh, duh, why didn't we ever Once think of that? Once again,
0: these assholes prove that they are so much smarter than we are and better at this show than we are, too.
1: I mean, hasn't that been yeah. the story since We're day one? We're just the
0: eyes and the hair. Just the talent here, folks. All right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it seems... With great firework power comes great burns and loss of hair. Oh, quit being such a weenie. <sighs> After Matt hosted a clinic on unsafe firework handling last week, we still find ourselves in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, nursing our burns and making our must-read picks for next week. Out! don't touch that there!
0: Quit being a baby. If you don't rub it in, it's not going to work.
1: <sighs> Matt, what are you
0: pumped to read next week? Next week... I am interested in relay number one from Aftershock. It's written by Zach Thompson. It's got art by Eric Bromberg, but word on the streets is... Donnie Cates came up with this idea, baby. The kids are talking. 32 pages for $3.99. Here is your solicit. A perfect future of intergalactic travel and community. Every newly discovered planet is unified culturally through a monolithic structure known as the Galactic Relay. Although the towering monument is meant to inspire conformity of ideas, technology, and progress, many resent the foreign structure. Jad Carter, a relay employee, must keep the peace and act as an emissary to new civilizations. But when he finds the relays, mythological creator, Hank Donaldson, who doesn't really sound very mythological. Like <laughs> Hank's, Hank sounds like he comes over and he builds a deck for you. you know? Thor Donaldson! His idea of reality and the universe shatters! They're calling it Equal Parts the Fifth Element and Philip K. Dick and directly springboarding off the previously released Free Comic Book Day Relay Zero, this series is an exploration of monoculture, identity, and the deceptive nature of legends, set in a thriving future where humanity forcibly assimilates new worlds. Holy shits! Wow, this is heady business. Yeah, man. Joe Patrick, pass the ointment and tell these kids what you're reading next week. You gotta slather it on them. Oh, really really it smells. It. You it smells so thick bad. Lair. Utter butter That's my jam. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> my pick for next week is Superman, number one from DC Comics, written by Brian Michael Bendis, with art by Ivan Rice and Joe Prado. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here is your solicit. A bold new chapter for the greatest superhero of all time begins here as the superstar team of BM Bendis and artist Ivan Rice begin their run on the all-new Superman. The fallout from the Man of Steel miniseries has Clark Kent looking at the world through new eyes, with new ideas about what Superman could and should do for the city of Metropolis and the planet Earth. His first job? Getting the planet back out of the Phantom Zone! What? What? I don't know what happened. That's I don't know. gonna
0: be a problem.
1: That, I mean, yeek. I am excited. Man of Steel has been very good. Yes. And I am... Truly. I am thrilled at this new direction for Superman. Bendis has proven me wrong. I was wrong to doubt him. So far, so good. Bring it on. Superman number one. Man of Steel has been
0: so good that, like, even the anti-Bendis internet trolls have shut the fuck up. It's true. It's kind of crazy. Like, he's done the impossible. It's true. The THN Trade of the Week goes to Quantum and Woody 2017, Volume 1. Trade paperback. Kiss, kiss, clang, clang. From Valiant Entertainment. It's written by Daniel Kibblesmith with art by Kano and Francis Portella. It's 128 pages for $9.99. Love them, Valiant? First volume prices. That is crazy cheap. Here's your solicit. The world's worst superhero team returns in an explosive new ongoing series. Sometimes you embrace your destiny and sometimes you and your troublemaking adopted brother find yourselves trapped in a scientific lab explosion that grants you... Blanking awesome superpowers As a result of their accident Eric and Woody Henderson, aka Quantum and Woody Must clang their wristbands together every 24 hours Or both dissipate into nothingness You know, that old trope Which makes superheroing pretty awkward When you're not on speaking terms at the moment See, Eric has been keeping a pretty big secret He knows who Woody's birth father really is And where he's been hiding all these year's With great power comes great sibling rivalry. This summer, you'll believe two men and one goat can split a (laughs) one-bedroom apartment and still be a credible threat to evil and a justice everywhere when Quantum and What Make headlines and take names. Starting right here, deeply alarming and untrustworthy writer Daniel Kibblesmith, who also worked on the lay show of Stephen Colbert, and eye-popping artist Kano, who worked on Daredevil, give the Valiant Universe the adjective worthy superheroes it deserves. Quantum and Woody! This series was so good. I love and- Quantum and Woody. Kano, like, I, I, we both love Kano. The guy's crazy talented, and here, it's still definitely Kano. He's not, like, disguising his art or anything, but it's got a much lighter-hearted feel to his art, and it's really impressive to see what he could do. I loved this series. It was great.
1: Francis Protello's real good, too. Yep. Remember, kiddies, new comic book day is just a week away, and... If you pick at it, it'll never heal It's true, you gotta let that thing dry out So get these comics added to your pull files right damn now And don't pop your blisters,
0: I don't know who just decided That was a good idea, just let them be Leave them alone Joe, it's time to come clean We've gotten lazy There was a time, we used to read a graphic novel Every month, but look at us Out of shape, sad reflections Of yesterday time we get back down to fight weight joey Improve. we can read and review an entire graphic novel not just this month i'm calling it every month joe it's time once again to take a look it's in a book
1: that's a lot of responsibility i know baby for this edition of take a look matt and i are reviewing adventure zone here there be garblins this is from first second books okay If you're a nerd that plays video games or RPGs, you've probably heard of the McElroy brothers. Uh, They, uh, Justin and Griffin are prominent video game journalists. They, all three of them are the stars of my brother, my brother and me. And of course the adventure zone podcast alongside their father, Clint, the McElroy family has become famous for their banter and their role playing adventures. This graphic novel collects and adapts the first campaign of their hit D and D real play podcast. Podcast.
0: Now for those of you who don't know, a real play podcast is just what it sounds like. A group sits down, plays Dungeons and Dragons, and records it for the internet and everybody. Which, at first glance, could sound pretty boring. On, but in you've got to have them, some dynamic players. Yes, you have to have some extremely dynamic players. And the McElroys have been doing this stuff for a long time. Their Adventure Zone podcast is wonderful stuff. It really is. And I would say there's no argument. It is the best of the Real Play podcasts available out there. I don't think there's any question. And it's not just because of their humor they actually came up with some fantastic storytelling, really, really good in-depth storytelling for their D and D campaign that worked
1: so very well. Right. In fact, you almost forget that they're playing a game. Yes, it becomes when like you listen to the podcast. It's more about telling a story, the unfolding of the story. But this is not a review of the Adventure Zone podcast. Well, this is where I'm going here. Stuff like that can sound ridiculous,
0: and it can sound very self-serving to people who aren't into it. And when you take it from there and then illustrate it into a comic book, it can become even more ridiculous and even more self-serving. I thought the art here was very good. Yes, the artist is Carrie Peach. Very talented. She's very talented. I thought the book itself was very well put together. Yep. I had a little bit of fun with it, but I gotta say, this was way... Too much in one edition and I just lost interest about midway through it stopped working for me there, there was something that I that I love about the podcast which is their humor, their banter that is not present here it becomes fun and funny and light hearted but the jokes almost become formulaic, you can see the writer trying to lift the senses of humor from each McElroy brother and put them on their character here and there. But it just slowly stopped working for me. And it kind of became a cute and almost funny tale with a good Dungeons and Dragons storyline that it also never fully committed to because you're not going to capture, you know, every minute of the podcast. It's just not how it
1: works. It just ended up not working for me. So let's back up. The writing credits go to all three brothers uh, Justin, Travis and Griffin uh, because obviously they came up with all the dialogue when they recorded the show Um, it was adapted by their father Clint McElroy Who um, has actually written comics in the past, Uh, nothing that I've read, but like some really obscure indie stuff. He's also the least funny on the podcast, but he's dad
0: funny. Now, yeah, I
1: mean, he's I don't agree with that. But yes, he is. He is dad funny. It's a different kind of
0: funny in this. Yeah. In the sense that like he does not have the same wit that his kids do. And that's why it's funny because he's dad funny.
1: Well, and also like there's a a long running joke that he's very bad at playing D&D. Like he doesn't remember what spells he has. He doesn't know what dice to use. Right. The first arc of their first season, I guess you'd call it. Um, here, there be Gerblins is without question the weakest arc because yeah. not only are they just getting into, you know, they're they're figuring things out as they go, they're also using a pre-planned module, right from D D, which is why they had to change some character names. Uh, if you name, if you remember, uh, if you listen to the podcast, you will remember Clark the Bugbear. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is renamed here as. Uh, Nash because Clark is a copyrighted character. Sure. <laughs> and it took me forever to figure that out. I was like, who the fuck is Nash? <laughs> it gets stronger as it goes. I don't disagree that it lost steam. I mean, maybe it's because I knew where their story was going. Like I was a fan of it. And I knew that once the stuff was done in the cave, that the story was going to open up to, to what goes on in future volumes with, the, with what becomes the, the trio's overarching mission.
0: Right, the grand arc of the story. But it just took too long to get there, one. Two, they, they were clever with like popping their brother in as a DM, talking to the characters. Yeah, That's breaking the fun. fourth wall and stuff. It, yeah, It makes it feel like a real play comic book, and that was very clever. It just got old. It just got old for me, and I found it really boring. I did not want to finish it. I was just like, every time I picked it up, I'm like, ugh, more of this. And not because it was, like, it was bad. It just was not as funny as I had hoped that it would have been because it just doesn't translate well, I don't think. I don't think the idea of the what they did on their podcast translates well to a comic book. It just worked better with them all in the room playing off of each other. And, I, and I'm not saying that like, I think I could do this better or someone else could do it better. I think this is a very hard choice and they did just about as good as they possibly could with translating it to comic book form. I just don't know that it works. I'm not giving it a leave it.
1: I'm not doing that. I will, I'll say this. I wasn't expecting the fourth wall breaking stuff. Yeah. When I read it, um, I thought they, that they would just tell the adventure in a traditional way. Right. Um, but I liked it. I, I mean, I'm biased. I'm a huge fan of the family and everything that they produce. I've been a fan of my brother and my brother and me for a decade. Yeah, I am too. Um, and so like, I went into it knowing most of the jokes, knowing where the story was going to go. Like when, when they, when they met the black spider and his ridiculous accent, I was like, yep, I was, I was ready for that. You know, I just, I really loved it, and I know that it's not their strongest arc. And in fact, the next volume, "Murder on the Rockport Limited," uh, is probably my favorite storyline in the in the in the series.
0: It's wonderful. Um, I just, I just, I don't, I don't need to see it like this. I, I can only give this a skim. It it ah, didn't gosh, work for me. Man,
1: that's a shame. I, I really disagree. I quite enjoyed it, and, I mean. Again, I, I'm willing to chalk it up to bias, but like, I think there's a charm to it. And so like, maybe the jokes are not like drop dead funny, but there's just a charm to it that I really enjoyed. And it goes with the art, uh, the, the very like exaggerated cartoony style. It's not like super serious fantasy art. And I
0: don't disagree. There was definitely a charm there. It just, it wore out. It's welcome for me, I guess. They're like, (laughs) I I can't do this on charm alone is where I'm at. You know what I mean?
1: all right you soulless bastard (laughs) i'm giving it a buy it i really i really liked it fans of the podcast are going to eat it up the mcelroys have such a huge following that this is going to be a huge success probably um but yeah i really enjoyed it and i when i got to the end and i saw to be continued in volume two murder on the rockport limited i got really excited so i'm ready for more of this i just hope it doesn't take another three years to come out So that is a skim it and a buy it for The Adventure Zone, Volume 1, Here There Be Gerblins. The book is 320 pages for $19.99. It comes out on July 18th from First Second Books. I think y'all should pick it up. Matt is a jerk. Egg exactly. <laughs>
0: That is it for THN 492. But before we get out of here, Joe Patrick, I need you to ask these kids a new question of the
1: week. Ladies and gentlemen, this week's question comes from the brand new Goocher, uh-oh, Phil Lee, via the THN forums. The Gooch. The Gooch is loose. They're not booing him. They're saying Gooch. <laughs> I watched Batman Ninja this weekend, and it got me thinking. What comic character or property would work in a different era or genre? Would the Punisher be better suited as a wandering gunman dispensing frontier justice? How about the Teen Titans as a greaser gang, rumbling with other gangs like Infinity Inc. or the Outsiders? (laughs) He means like the Outsiders by S.E.
0: Hinton, of course. Gotcha, of course.
1: Uh, Also... Bonus question, which was too good not to include. While stumbling from a local bar the next day, I wondered, what is your favorite fictional bar? Oh, I already have my answer.
0: Me too. (laughs) THN is a listener-supported podcast. We want to thank everyone that shows out their hard-earned cash. They could probably be spending on things like baby food and comics at their local comic shop. Burn ointment. But instead, they choose to give it to us in huge piles on PayPal and Patreon without you nerds we cannot afford imaginary drinks at our favorite imaginary bars and they're steep too I mean it depends which which imaginary bar you go to there's a couple of (laughs) shitty imaginary bars like you know some Skid Row imaginary bars (laughs) the bar that uh, Popeye and fucking Wimpy always hung out with at the docks drinks are super cheap there
1: Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to Axton Kaler, one half of our O Comic Con pals, Tank Zombie Studios, whose art was selected by Jay and Silent Bob's secret stash to be part of their official Public store. Nice job, gentlemen. Yeah, now you can get Axton's art plastered on anything from T-shirts to throw pillows. Where do you, Axton? I will throw a link to the T Public page in the show notes for anyone that wants to check it out. His design was super fun. Get it on a mug or something. Until next time, true believers.
0: Remember to pre-order your comics, or your retailer might just gift you a pillowcase with his face on it. This is the two-headed nerd signing off. Nobody wants to sleep on that. That's disgusting. No, this is gross. Eesh.